Well, hello, friends. You're listening to the Capital City Christian Church Podcast. I'm Chris, the Communications Director at Cap City, and I am so glad that you're listening. In fact, I would love to chat with you. So send me an email at hello at capitalcitychristian.org. Today, we're in week eight of the Jonah series. If you haven't been listening to our messages, I really would encourage you to go back a few weeks to catch the whole saga that is this small book in the Bible about a prophet named Jonah. There is a whole lot of insight to glean that will definitely help you, even today, thousands of years after it was written. This week brings us to Jonah's second chance, and this time he listens to God. Let's go with him to Nineveh as he tells the Assyrians to repent. And speaking of repent, what does that word even mean? Let's get right to today's message with our senior minister, Dr. Stephen Doc Pattison. Okay, guys, let's dig into the word together. Listen for the Spirit's nudges. So this part of the Jonah story is kind of his do-over, which, by the way, starts out way better than take one, but it doesn't end up so well. That's going to be next week. So here it is, the Jonah story, take two. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh, deliver the message that I have given you. This time, Jonah obeys the Lord's command. He goes to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. Just a couple of notes, guys. The first thing you have to notice is how much God cared about this great city, this terrible city. Now, that compassion for this city is flat out wrong to Jonah. In fact, it bothers us sometimes. See, these Ninevites were cruel and evil and pagan, and they were a threat to the very existence of Israel. These Ninevites deserved hell. They did not deserve grace. But it's clear that God loves them anyway. The second thing you've got to notice is how daunting this assignment would have been for Jonah. You see, not only was Nineveh this flat-out huge evil city, it took three days to go through it all, What a scary place to work. Kind of put it in this perspective. Let's say you grew up in Frankfurt and God sends you to go preach in New York City. Only this New York City is more like Tehran. And there's a good chance that they're literally going to cut out your tongue before they skin you alive and post your skin on the city walls. This is a scary assignment. Jonah this time is like, well, I guess it beats living inside a fish. And it says, on the day that Jonah entered the city, he shouts to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. You've got 40 days, and literally, Nineveh's going to be turned. Now, you got to see that Jonah wasn't, I mean, the book of Jonah wasn't written in English. It was written in Hebrew. But Hebrew words are kind of like English words. A single word can mean different things. You know, if you look up an English word in the dictionary, you might find meaning two, meaning three, meaning four, different options for the word. Well, if you look up a word in a Hebrew dictionary, it's very much the same. If you look up this word turn in the Hebrew dictionary, it can mean turn over, as in destroyed, or it can mean turn around, as changed or transformed. And in this context, I think it means either one. In 40 days, one of these two is going to happen. In 40 days, either you're going to change or God's going to destroy you. Your call. You've got 40 days to make up your mind. 
because God is not going to allow you to continue down this path. So Jonah is saying, you either need to repent, change, or die. Now understand, God does not want to destroy them. If God had wanted to destroy the Ninevites, he would have just done it. There would be no need for a Jonah. The Apostle Peter put it like this. He says, God does not want anyone. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent, to turn around, to change. But still, at some point, God is going to say, enough. Eventually, God is going to make things right. So God wants us to make things right with him before he has to deal with our evil once and for all. So Jonah tells these Ninevites, you guys have 40 days to repent, to change, to transform, or die. And Jonah wasn't blowing air like a lot of the sensationalist preachers out there. He was a prophet of God speaking words directly given him by God. Now here's what's really, really weird. For some strange reason, the people of Nineveh believed God's message. Why? I don't know. Why they believed this street preacher from the sticks, actually from one of the peoples that was under their thumb, I don't know. Why they believed Jonah's threats from a God that seemed way punier to them than one of their own bigger gods, You see, back in that day, they figured the more powerful the city, the more powerful the God. In fact, there's still a lot of people in our world that kind of buy that nonsense. And yet, for some reason, instead of yanking out Jonah's tongue and skinning him alive and nailing his skin to the wall, it says they believed God's message. So you have to ask, why? Why did they believe God's message, this message from this Yahweh, this God of Israel? Well, there were some things going on in their world that were kind of like some of the things that are going on in our world, things that made them a bit more receptive to this word from God. These Ninevites, these Assyrians were trying to build an empire, a massive empire through violence and cruelty and terror. And here's the deal, guys, when you try to rule through violence and terror, eventually people are going to fight back, which was happening. All over the edges of their empire, people were fighting back, and it got kind of scary. See, here's the deal. The bully may be the strongest and the biggest kid on the block, but if enough of the smaller kids start pushing back at the same time, they could knock the bully down. And the people were starting to push back. And there was unrest at home. Because here's another deal, guys. When you're violent and cruel towards outsiders, chances are you're also going to be violent and cruel at home. And these Assyrians were. There were people hurting each other. They were using each other. They were blowing each other off, marginalizing each other. There in Assyria, there was unrest and riots and revolts. These were scary times for this scary people. But there was still more. There were these signs. You see, these Assyrians were a superstitious people, kind of like a lot of people still today. And there were all these signs. We have historical records about two famines right about this time. So their Kroger's were empty on the shelves. Their Walmarts were empty. They couldn't find toilet toilet paper anywhere. The people were scared. 
We also have historical evidence of a plague about that time. And guys, they didn't have the medical resources that we have today, so their plagues were even scarier. So there's unrest abroad, there's unrest at home, there are famines, plagues. And then there was this complete solar eclipse. And again, they didn't understand astronomy like we do today, and so that eclipse just scared the bejiggers out of them. And right then along comes this strange prophet who says, in 40 days, you're either going to be destroyed by God or you're going to shape up. And there's one more piece that you can't discount. You see, there is this thing, person called the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit of God is everywhere, including there in Assyria. And part of his mission on this earth is to convict us of sin to convict us about God and to convict us about God's truth. And God's Holy Spirit is really, really good at his job. You felt him. He's nudged you. Now, I know that God's Holy Spirit doesn't force himself on us yet, but you have felt his nudges and you have felt his convictions. Well, Jonah's out there preaching. You've got 40 days to repent or to die. And the Holy Spirit is kind of working on the inside. You guys need to listen. You guys really need to listen. And here's what it says. It says, the people of Nineveh believed God's message. Literally, it says, the people of Nineveh believed God. They believed God. It doesn't say they believed in God. There is no evidence that these Ninevites became Yahweh followers. It says they believed God, which if you think about it, sometimes goes beyond just believing in God. You see, there are a whole lot of people today who believe in God, but it doesn't actually change the way they live. They're kind of like, I believe in God, but I'll do things his way as long as I agree with him. I mean, that's even how a lot of us Jesus followers try to do life with God. We're kind of like, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I just don't want to change that much. Well, Jonah says, in 40 days, you're either going to turn around or God's going to turn you around. He's going to destroy you. And the Ninevites believed God. So here's what they did. This wasn't just intellectual. This is incredible. Verse 5. It says, from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast. They put on burlap to show their sorrow, which is the kind of things they would do back then. In other words, they put away their party clothes, put away the popcorn and the Twinkies, and said, we've got some praying to do. In fact, it says, when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, incredible. He took off his royal robes, he dressed himself in burlap, and sat on a heap of ashes which is the kind of thing that people would do back then to show their penitence for their sin. The kind of thing they would do to humble themselves before God. It says, then the king and his nobles sent out this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds or flocks may eat or drink anything at all, which is incredible. Not even your dogs, your cats, your cows can eat or drink. He says, people and animals alike must wear garments of mourning. And everyone, everyone must pray earnestly to God. 
They must turn from their evil ways. They must stop their violence. Who can tell, he says, maybe even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. Now listen, guys. We can learn a lot about repentance from these Ninevites. Now I know they didn't go far enough because there's no evidence that they became Yahweh followers. But we can still learn a lot about repentance from them. Here it is. They believed God. They believed God. They actually believed him strongly enough that they did something about it. Have you? Then they openly expressed their sorrow. I mean, sackcloth, ashes, fasting, everyone from the king on down. Guys, have you ever really mourned your sin? They called on God. They prayed. They prayed hard. Then they turned from their wickedness. They changed their ways, at least for a while, we'll see. And they just hoped for grace. They begged for grace. And listen, guys, if you hope for grace from God, you will never, ever, ever be disappointed. So, guys, where are you with God right now? Do you believe in God? I hope so. That's a start. Do you believe God? Not just in him. Do you believe God enough that you're willing to do life with him, for him, his way? Even, guys, when you don't understand him yet. You see, believing God is not measured by those times that we understand him. It's not measured by those times we agree with him. Believing God is measured by the times we don't understand the why yet. But we still trust him. So listen, do you not only believe in God, do you believe God? And do you understand that even though the timeline is different, I mean, God hasn't told us in 40 days you're either going to turn around or you're going to be destroyed. Even though the timeline is different, the stakes are exactly the same. All of us are going to end up in one of two places, heaven or hell. And it's going to depend on how we respond to Jesus. So have you confessed your sin to God? Have you asked him for grace? And guys, listen. God only has one answer when anyone asks him for grace. Absolutely. They've been willing to trust in his grace. Or they were hoping they could trust in his grace. You have seen the reason that we trust in his grace. And when you do, you will begin to experience the peace and the joy and the hope and the courage that a whole lot of people need to experience right here and right now. Now, guys, there's one more little tiny piece, and this piece is kind of sobering. About 40 years later, these Ninevites, actually it would have been their children and their grandchildren, these Ninevites swept down from the north and they went ahead and crushed Israel with exactly the kind of cruelty and violence that God was asking them to repent of now. You see, their terror that their parents repented of, <clears throat> they went back to. It's scary how that works. Sometimes we'll have a come-to-Jesus moment, 
And after a few days or a few weeks or months or years, we're right back to the same old. Which is why, listen guys, which is why repentance is not something we do just once. It has to be repeated. It has to become part of the rhythm of our life. In fact, guys, that's one of the reasons that we come together for worship on the first day of every week for another moment of repentance, for another dose of God's grace. It's why, the, why we take the Lord's Supper every week, another opportunity to repent and another chance to taste grace. Here's why. Because the decisions that we make tend to fade over time. And the decisions that we make in times of fear often fade fast when the fear goes away. <clears throat> so repentance is something we do over and over and over again. And it's something we teach our children and teach our grandchildren. So here's what we're going to do, guys. <clears throat> we're going to humble ourselves before our God right here, right now. If you've made your way to the church or you have some of the elements at home and you want to participate with us, let's take the Lord's Supper together. If you don't have the Lord's Supper elements with you, just take this time, please, to get quiet before our God. Let's do this together. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took a piece of bread. And he said, this bread represents my body which is broken for you. Eat this, but when you eat this, remember me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took a cup and he said, this cup represents my blood which has been shed for you. When you drink this, remember the new covenant that I have created through my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. Let's drink the cup together. Let's pray together. Father, for the opportunity to be at peace with you, we just give you our thanks. For making that possible through Jesus, we give you our thanks. We know when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we acknowledge that we're not worthy. Your body was broken and your blood was shed to cover our sins. And it's the only way we've got a shot with you. And so for his sacrifice for us, we give you thanks. And for the grace that we taste in this bread and this cup, we give you thanks because we know that our sins are covered in Christ. We know that we have a hope that will extend beyond this life. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.